Monday at 2 p.m. as we invoke and implement a more ingeniously cooperative and reverent world. You are listening to 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. The ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, September the 5th, 2017. Wow, we're way into the 21st century. (laughs) Uh, I was going to read something funny today, but after the President, uh, DJ Trump, pulled this latest stunt, this horrible... Oh, I kept thinking to myself, why, why on earth would he attack these immigrant children and their parents, of course, now that he has their phone numbers, uh, their addresses? Oh, God, I I just got in a tizzy sometime around midnight, and I thought, well, there's nothing you can do about it, Jennifer. Just fall back into your old, your old trench Deep down in the trench, I find a collage of the work of Samuel Beckett. It's all I've got. It's all I can think of. Oh, actually, I was thinking of my mother back in the day. Uh, Actually, she remembers the 19th century when Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote. uh, I guess it's sentimental, yes. She wrote, Do you hear the children weeping? Oh, my brothers, ere the sorrow comes with years. They are leaning their heads against their mothers. That cannot stop their tears. I was thinking how it is that that man, DJ Trump, has the power to blight the lives of so many young Americans. And, of course, they are Americans. Uh, There wasn't any need, no need. They were already being hassled after death. Never mind. Uh, I can't do anything about it today. I'll go home and do something about it tonight. I'll 
write a letter to the Times, never mind. I scooped up some excerpts from Samuel Beckett's novels, and I thought, well, uh, I'm going to put them together in a collage, the way an Irish actor, the late Jack McGowan, did. Now, you would recognize Jack McGowan as a character actor in the movies. He's always playing <laughs> the, the sidekick, um, you know, the juxer character in, uh, <laughs> in, in one of the uh, plays by Sean O'Casey or saying the, the, the guy who is kind of a yes man at the same time that he played the, um, Ah, the the groom or the helper in the movie Tom Jones. That's what you might remember. Anyway, he was a great actor in spite of what he had to do to make a living in those pictures. Uh, uh, he took the novels, uh, Malloy, the Unnameable, uh, Malone Dies, and he just uh, took the things, the passages that he felt uh, were his own, fitted his, well nihilistic mood yes that's what i picked the nihilistic moods the days days when i want to beat my brains out with existential bones uh despair is such a bore uh samuel beckett seemed to turn it into poetry uh <laughs> it's actually very funny if you if you study him carefully, he spent most of his life in Paris. He wrote in French, translated his own work into English. His great play, Waiting for Godot, brought him international fame. I remember... <clears throat> I remember back when that play first emerged in the 1950s. Uh, so at the Marines Memorial Theater. Uh, I can't remember... All I remember was uh, the fuss that the audience made while he gnawed once more on the existential bone, the final Irishman, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, he took the fragments and made something greater. Yes, made the whole greater than its parts. It's an internal monologue, and it's a kind of grim walk through space and time leading to death and the soul cease. The two great stones in the desert. One is his father and the other his mother. Uh, Beckett wrote, yes, we have time to grow old. The air is full of our cries, but habit is a great deadener. At me, too, someone is looking. Of me, too, someone is saying. He is sleeping. Let him sleep on. <laughs> yes, Beckett, born in Ireland, 1906. Oh, like Gertrude Stein, you know. Paris put its hand on the hearts of the English, English writers, English words there. Uh, he said to himself, or no worse, saying to myself, no worse, you're no worse, and then I was worth. Uh, hmm. Actually, most of this is uh, irritation with his parents, this uh, collage I have in front of me. He, he writes, fortunately, my father died when I was a boy. Otherwise, I might have been a professor. He had his heart set on it. A very fair scholar I was, too. No thought 
but a great memory. Mm -hmm. Samuel Beckett, yes, the end is in the beginning, and yet you go on. The title of his montage collage was called Beginning to End. You bet your buns, Beckett. Uh, I don't know. I think, uh, I think he, he blathers in a way that, that kind of echoes the, the, uh, the noises in my brain. None of them are coherent. Uh, he says, when, when will you stop tormenting me with your time, 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 yes. I hope you had a nice, <laughs> a nice Labor Day yesterday, yes. The sound, the sound, Labor Day, the same sound makes sense in the light, the light, the light of the labors lost. The light, the light, the light of the labors lost. Beckett died just a few years ago. He, uh, I think he uh, was born on Good Friday, I believe, died on Christmas. He definitely has the secret, uh, the secret of uh, unhappiness. He says that the best cure for depression is expression, right? So I'll go dust the graves. We've lost so many this year, Dick Gregory, dear Dick Gregory. He used to come visit my school down in... Oakland, uh, remember a junior high class, he, he would come and tell them that they were in school to learn how to live, not how to make a living. Oh, he was a funny guy in those days. He was overweight. He hadn't discovered the the uh, health craze, the uh, Bahamian diet that he, he decided would solve many of the problems of the black community. I used to order that stuff. You couldn't buy it in the stores. It's called the Bahamian Diet. I don't think you can get it anymore. It was the best of those protein drinks. Uh, a nice lady I talked to on the phone would bring it to my front door. And, uh, yes, it was always sold by individuals who, you know, cut out the middleman. And Anyway... Last time I looked at Dick Gregory on the television, he was what we call a spare man. Got thin and lean and in beautiful condition. I believe he's a year oh, younger or a year older than I am. Anyway, he was one of those uh, who, what is that, lived until he died. He was working right up until the very end. He was... Uh, he had a conference, a lecture here in town. Never mind. Dick Gregory, so many, so many, so many. Again, wrote Samuel Beckett, again this last ebb and the dead shingle and turning then my steps toward the lighted town. <laughs> oh, so many things. Let's see. Malloy, Malloy, I think, is my most, most favorite. Uh, <laughs> yes, he writes. Uh, well, uh, I am in my mother's room. It is I who live there now. I don't know how I got there. Perhaps in an ambulance? Certainly a vehicle of some kind. I was helped. I'd never have got there alone. 
There's this man who comes every week. Perhaps I got there thanks to him. He says not. He gives me money. Takes away the pages. So many pages. So much money. Yes. I work now. A little like I used to, except that I don't know how to work anymore. It doesn't matter, apparently. What I'd like now is to speak of the things that are left. Say my goodbyes. Finish dying. They don't want that. Yes, there is more than one, apparently, but... It's always the same one that comes. You'll do that later, he says. Good. My footnote here is... That is a wonderful description of my recent behavior. Uh, I remember... uh, some very heavy drugs in the emergency room at the local hospital and waking up in a uh, nursing home and all those little things, yes. I'd never have got there alone. (laughs) Anyway, uh, it was in an ambulance, certainly a vehicle, and I was helped. Uh, The truth is, writes Samuel Beckett, I haven't much will left. When the man comes for the fresh pages, he brings back the previous weeks. They are marked with signs I don't understand. Anyway, I don't read them. When I've done nothing, he gives me nothing. He scolds me, yet I don't work for money. For what, then? I don't know. Truth is, I don't know much. For example, my mother's death. Was she already dead when I came? Or did she only die later? I mean, enough to bury. I don't know, perhaps they haven't buried her yet in any case. I have her room. I sleep in her bed. I have taken her place. I must resemble her more and more. All I need now is a son. Perhaps... I have one somewhere, but I think not he would be old now. Nearly as old as myself. (laughs) Oh, well. I've forgotten how to spell now. And half the words, that doesn't matter, apparently. Ah... It was a little chambermaid. It wasn't true love. The true love was in another. We'll come to that. Her name, I've forgotten it again. It seems to me sometimes that I even knew my son, that I helped him. Then I tell myself it's impossible. It is impossible. I could ever have helped. Anyone. That doesn't matter, apparently. Good. He's a queer one, the one who comes to see me. He comes every Sunday, apparently. Other days he isn't free. He's always thirsty. It was he told me I'd begun all wrong, that I should have begun differently. He must be right. I began at the beginning. Imagine that. Here's my beginning. 
I took a lot of trouble with it. Here it is. It gave me a lot of trouble. It was the beginning, do you understand? Whereas now, it is nearly the end. Is what I do now any better? I don't know. That's beside the point. Here's my beginning. It must mean something. Or they wouldn't keep it. Here it is. This time, I know where I'm going. It is no longer the ancient night, the recent night. Now it is a game I'm going to play. I never knew how to play till now. I longed to, but I knew it was impossible, yet I often tried. I turned on all the lights, took a good look all around. I began to play with what I saw. People and things ask nothing better than to play. Certain animals, too, all went well at first. They all came to me, pleased that someone should want to play with them. If I said, now I need a hunchback, immediately one came running, proud as punch of his fine hump that was going to perform. Hunchback, humpback. It did not occur to him that I might have to ask him to undress. It was not long before I found myself alone. In the dark. That is why I gave up trying to play. And took to myself forever shapelessness and speechlessness in Curious, wandering darkness, long stumbling with outstretched arms, hiding. Such is the earnestness from which for nearly a century now I have never been able to depart. I believe her to be even older than I, but rather less well-preserved in spite of her mobility. Perhaps she goes with the room in a manner of speaking. All I see of her now is the gaunt hand and part of her sleeve. Not even that, not even that. Perhaps she is dead, having predeceased me. Perhaps now it is another's hand that lays and clears my little table. I don't know how long I have been here. I must have said so. I shall not give up yet. I have finished my soup. (sighs) But it is time. I took a little rest. For safety's sake. I don't like those gulls' eyes. They remind me of an old shipwreck. I forget which. I know it is a small thing, but I'm easily frightened now. I know those little phrases that seem so innocuous, and once you let them in, they pollute the whole of speech. Nothing is more real than nothing. They rise up out of the pit and know no rest until they drag you down to its dark. But I... I'm on my guard now. <laughs> there's so much of, there's so much of, uh, alone, alone. Uh, so much more, so many, many pages of nothing, nothing. I'm going to skip, skip, 
to a time earlier when Samuel Beckett is saying, farewell, farewell, not just to his mother, but to all of them. He writes, I shall soon be quite dead at last, in spite of all. Perhaps next month, and then it will be the month of April or of May, for the year is still young. <laughs> A thousand little signs tell me so, though perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps I shall survive St. John the Baptist Day, even the 14th of July, Festival of <laughs> Freedom. Indeed, I would not put it past me to pant on to the transfiguration, not to speak of the assumption, but I do not think so. I do not think I am wrong in saying that these rejoicings will take place in my absence this year. I have that feeling I've had enough for some days, and I credit it. I could die today if I wished, merely by making a little effort, but... Just as well to let myself die quietly without rushing things, of course. I still have my little fits of impatience from time to time. I must be on my guard against them for the next fortnight or three weeks. But without exaggeration, to be sure, quietly crying and laughing without working myself up into a state. Ah, I shall be natural at last. I shall suffer more, then less, without drawing any conclusions. I shall pay less heed to myself. I shall be neither hot nor cold anymore. I shall be tepid. I shall die tepid, without enthusiasm. <laughs> I shall not watch myself die. That would spoil everything. Have I watched myself live? Have I ever complained? Then why rejoice now? I am content, necessarily, but not to the point of clapping my hands. Oh, I'm satisfied. There, I am repaid. I have enough. I need nothing more. But let me say before I go any further that I forgive nobody. I wish them all an atrocious life. And then the fires and ice of hell and in the inexorable generations to come an honored name. <laughs> ah. I usen't to need anyone. I usen't to need anyone. Years and years of nothing, nothing but stories. There was a great one about an old fellow called Bolton. I never finished it. I never finish any of them. I never finish anything. Everything always goes on forever. Oh, years, years of that. Till the need came on me for someone to be with me, anyone, a stranger, years of that. Then now, now, for someone who knew me in the old days, a stranger to be with me, imagine he hears me what I am now. Father, father. Father, you wouldn't know me now. You'd be sorry you ever had me. <laughs> but you were that already, a washout. That's the last I heard from you, a washout. Are you coming for a dip? No, no. Come on, come on. No, no, glare. Stomp to door. Turn, glare. A washout. That's all you are, a washout again, again. Slam. Life. Shut 
like that washout. I wish to Christ she had. My mother never refused to see me, that is, she never refused to receive me, for it was many a long day since she's seen anything at all. I shall try and speak calmly. We were so old, she and I, she had had me so young, that we were like a couple of old cronies, sexless, unrelated, same memories, same rancors, the same expectations. She never called me son. Fortunately, I couldn't have borne it. <laughs> but Dan? I don't know why. My name is not Dan. Dan was my father's name, perhaps. Perhaps she took me for my father. I took her for my mother, and she took me for my father. Dan, Dan, do you remember the day I saved the swallow? Dan, do you remember the day you buried the ring? I remembered, I remembered. I mean, I knew more or less what she was talking about. If I wasn't always involved personally in the scene she evoked, it was just as if I had been. I called her Mag. Well, I had to call her something. I called her Mag, because for me, without my knowing why, the letter G abolished the syllable Ma better than any other letter could have done. As it were, spat on it. At the same time, I acknowledged a deep and doubtless unacknowledged need. The need to have a Ma, that is, a mother. For, before you say mag, mag, you say ma, inevitably, and da in my part of the world means father. What the hell? Besides, for me, the question did not arise at the period I'm warming into now. I mean the question whether as to call her mag, ma, or the countess caca, she having for countless years been as deaf as a post. No, she knew it was me by my smell. Ah, her shrunken, hairy old face lit up. She was happy to smell me. She jabbered away with her rattling dentures. Most time didn't realize what she was saying. Anyone but myself would have been lost in this clattering gabble, which can only have stopped during her brief instances of unconsciousness. In any case, I didn't come to listen to her. I got into communication with her by knocking, knocking on her skull. <laughs> Ah, I was very quick as a boy, picked up a lot of hard knowledge. Ah, I saw, I saw in the far distance a white, a white horse. It seemed to have a red band or stripe running down its side. I thought perhaps a belly band. It crossed my path a long way off. Then vanished. All I remember was the sudden appearance of the horse. Then disappearance. It was bright white with the sun on it. I'd never seen such a horse, though often heard of them. I never saw another. I tell myself, 
she'll come back. Then she couldn't gone too far, gone too far. All life long, you wait. Oh, let's get it over with Christ, poor old lousy old earth. Poor old lousy old earth. And my father's and my mother's. And my father's father's and my mother's mother's and my father's mother's. And my mother's father's and my father's mother's father's. Mother's father's mother's and on and on and on. And everyone else's father's and mother's and excrement. The long summer days, the new mown hay, lilacs turning brown a week before the others, and then the whole bloody business starting all over again. That's enough. Dreaming and droning all around, there is something, a voice that once was in your mouth. This has been Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, reading to you from the works of the late great Samuel Beckett. And I'll be back on the air after the marathon, and I hope very much to see you then, hear you then, be with you then. Marking two decades of frontline action for the Wild Buffalo, the Buffalo Field Campaign Roadshow is coming to the Bay Area on September 